Yeah. 
be here, say amen. Amen.
That verse there came straight out of Isaiah 40, chapter 28. Uh, chapter 40, verse 28 says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Can we give our God a hand for who he is? What an awesome God we serve. Just love hearing you sing this morning and praising the Lord. And I would like to welcome everyone to Crossroads Ministries. We're glad that you're here today. Uh, Our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And we're thanking God for all that he's doing in your life and how that you are participating in bringing people into a growing relationship with Christ. Just a few announcements this morning. First of all, please pass the friendship folders down the aisle. We would appreciate that. And then uh, just, just a, few, a few things going on here. June is going to be a, a little bit of a busy month. We've got a number of things happening. June Jamboree. If you look inside of your uh, bulletin, you'll see that there's, a, there's an invite inside of there. And uh, on June 16th, we're going to have this June Jamboree out on the lawn. Our band is going to be out there. We've got this stage coming in. It's just an incredible event that's going to be out there. You don't want to miss it, but we need everybody to go online and get a ticket. The tickets are free, but so that we can be prepared for crowd control and all the supplies for games and things for the kids, uh, we just need everybody to sign up and get a free ticket. We have over 400 people already signed up to get a free ticket. Isn't that awesome? So uh, we're we're thanking God for that. This here is going out into into the paper this week. This is uh, uh, just a flyer. This will go into the red plum section where the people get their coupons and And, of course, everybody looks for coupons, so they'll see that. And so that's going to about 11,000 homes. And so we're just praying that God will open up the doors for those that he wants to be there. And, And so this also has on there the movie. So we'll have the June Jamboree, and then our movie for the summer out there will be uh, Sing, and that will be uh, just as soon as that is done, as soon as it gets dark there. So we'll have this big festival right into June Jam, uh, right into the movie Sing. So it'll be a fun night for families. Spread the word out there, and uh, and then of course we have a few other things happening here next Sunday. Not next Sunday, two Sundays away is going to be what we call Man Day. This is uh, oh, all right. So. Uh, Man Day coming up here, and, uh, and we are going to have fun. This is a Father's Day uh, event here at the church. I want to encourage everybody to be here. It's going to be a good time. You know, on Mother's Day, we hand out cupcakes that are cream-filled, and it's just so pretty. On Father's Day, we're handing out bacon, egg, and cheese bagels, all right? So this, is, this will be a made outside, and it is for everybody, not just for men, for everybody. So plan to come a little bit early and have a bacon, egg, and cheese bagel now on, on Father's Day, and it'll be a great way to celebrate Father's Day here at the church, and we're going to be having a lot of fun with that. And then we have coming up on June the 25th, this is Legacy Sunday. Pastor John Arnold will be back here. He was pastor of the church here for 47 years. And uh, he and Joanne will be back in town visiting that weekend. So uh, they'll be in the services for that weekend. We're going to have a little gathering for him in the gymnasium, a picnic afterwards on, uh, on, June, on June 25th. So mark your calendar. Be here. It'll be a fun time. Lots of fellowship events coming up here. And then uh, along that note, uh, we have another fellowship event next Sunday after this service. One of, our, one of our dear ladies here, she's helped us for 36 years in our church on staff. She's been cleaning this church, Carol Darrens. She is retiring, and she's moving. She's not just retiring. She's retiring and moving. Uh, Carol, are you in here? I saw her around. Where's she at? Carol, would you stand? Can we give Carol a hand? 36 years, you know? 
God bless her, you know. 36 years of cleaning, she could hardly stay up that long, all right? So she's been, she has given us her heart and soul here, and we, wanna, we just want to recognize that next week, and we want to we wanna love on her so there'll be some cake and some pizza in the gym afterwards, all healthy food in honor of Carol. And uh, you have to understand, we have to have cake for Carol because Carol has made cake for everybody else. She is the most incredible cake baker. I will, rem- I will miss her cakes Things are probably going to change around here without her cakes, all right? So we're going to miss her and her desserts and her presence here. She's been a wonderful lady. So next week, we're going to celebrate you a little bit, Carol, and just have a little bit of fun with Carol. So, and then we have the Legacy Sunday. So that's a whole lot going on in June. Then our kids are going off to high school camp. Uh, The high schoolers are going off in uh, in July. And then we have Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School is also going to be on the, on the advertisement here that's going out. Uh, again, free registration. Please go to our website to register. But please stop by the table to help. We need an army of people. Uh, Vacation Bible School is only successful if we all pitch in and we work together. And however that you can be used, they will use you. All right, so stop by the table on your way out. You'll see it says Gadgets and Gizmos back there. Giant table on the, to my right in the back of the auditorium. Please stop by there and sign up to, to serve. And it, it's going to be an incredible week of Vacation Bible School. We're praying for a couple hundred kids that will come in here and uh, will find Jesus. Isn't that exciting? So uh, let's just be in prayer and just watch what God will do. So lots of things to be praying about. Lots of things happening in the church as, as we march forward this summer. I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward and we'll receive the morning offering. And if you're here as our guest, I want to encourage you to, to let this plate pass you by. This is for those that are, that are regular, growing in the grace of giving. And if you are a guest, please stop by our Welcome Center. We, we have a gift we'd like, to, we'd like to give you just to say thank you for coming today. All right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you and we just thank you, Lord. You are in the business of transforming lives. And God, we're watching you do that here week after week after week, day after day. You're transforming lives. God, I, I just thrilled when I hear the stories of how you're moving in people's lives. You're moving in people's neighborhoods. You're, you're bringing people unto Jesus. And uh, we're honored to be a part of that. So God, we ask now that as we give unto your name and we bless your name because you've blessed us. God, you've given us 100% of what we have. And as we respond now to you, we give it back to you and we say thank you, Lord. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing around the world. And we're glad to be a part of your work. In your name we pray. Amen. Everyone needs compassion. A love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me While everyone needs forgiveness The kindness of a Savior The hope of nation Savior, He can move the mountains My God is Forever, author of salvation, 
neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please 
won't you be my neighbor? Welcome. So to we are in a series, "Won't You Be My Neighbor," and we've uh, we've been spending some time talking about how to be a what I call a GC squared church, Great Commission and Great Commandment. Uh, how can we be a church that's all about the Great Commission? One of Jesus' last words before he left was to go and make disciples of all nations, uh, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the mission. That's why we live. That's what we do here at Crossroads Ministries. As a matter of fact, today at the end of our service, we have a baptism, and that's, this is going to be exciting. We're going to share somebody who's, who's excited about Jesus, and they're, they're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. That's what it's all about. A com, uh, that's our great commission. That's what we're supposed to do. Then there's the great command. This is how we do it, all right? The great commission is to go out and to share Jesus. I mean, we, we tell people about Jesus, but the great command is to go out and to love God first and to love each other. Uh, to love others. So if we love God first and then we love other people, that's how this things work. First, we love God. We talk to God. We, we put him first and foremost. The lawyers came to Jesus and said, who is my neighbor? They're looking for a loophole to get out of this because loving your neighbor can at times be hard. And so we've, we've been on this journey and we looked at the, we looked at the, the different aspects of uh, why we should love. We should love, number one, because God loved us first. And I want to start there. That, that is really the starting point to the whole discussion. Um, because I think so many times people have this great commandment backwards. They're all about loving. I've heard people just trying to be kind to people all the time. And don't get me wrong, that's a good thing. That's what we're all about. We have to do that. But it's first about loving God because he loved you first. And if we can come to that understanding as we begin into that journey, that God loves you so much, he paid the price for your sin. And, and, th- th- and th- this, is, this is unbelievable. We deserve to be separated from God forever and ever in a real place called hell, the Bible says. But Jesus cared so much that he came and he paid for your sin. He died on the cross. He, 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 went, on, he went willing, without reservation, and willingly he paid for your sin. And he does it, and he gives you this opportunity to open your heart to him. That's why we love him first. So our motivation is all about the cross. Our motivation is all about Jesus. We love him because he loved us first. And so we respond to him. We love him. So we start there. And then loving others is an outflow. But when we start looking at how to love our neighbor, uh, we've said that it's easy to overlook the people that are actually your neighbors. Have you ever noticed that? It's just easy to walk by and say, okay, well, you know, like the Good Samaritan, of course, if I saw somebody on the side of the road and there was a flat tire, of course I would help them, right? Yeah. Well, what about the guy that I see every day? He doesn't have a flat tire, and he lives across the street from me, all right? What about that guy? Or the guy who lives three doors away from me, or the guy who lives five doors away from me? What about those people? Do I love those people? And so it's just so easy for me to get into my routine, hit the garage door button, I come in, and I go out. I come in and out of my air-conditioned castle, and it's like, this is the way that I live. And, and, that, and, and I don't get to connect with anybody around me. But yet I have this command, to love my neighbor. To love my neighbor. So God says to love, love him and to love our neighbor. And so we're, we've been taking this and, and saying, all right, let's take this a little bit deeper into loving my neighbor. Last week we looked at a barrier. The, the very first barrier we said was, was actually busyness. And, you know, I think we're all so busy. 
everybody's busy, always running, running, running. We've got somewhere to go. Uh, my schedule is double booked all the time. And busyness is really a toxin. It, it becomes so toxic. We can't even, we're not even building relationships in your own family. We're so busy. So we're so busy that I, within the family unit, I don't have relationships at home because we're so busy. We're running, we've run, we've run, we've run. And then, then we run some more. And it's like, wow. So if I, could, if I could build relationships at home. So your number one neighbor, folks, is your husband or your wife. You've got to love them. Your children, we have to love them. That's where we start. We start at the house, and we start at the home, and that is the people that we love, that we care, that we invest in. They're our number one priority. And then we go to the people that are actually around us. So busyness can stop us. Uh, John, John Ortberg, uh, he's an author, uh, and he says this. He says that, that many people have what is called, he coined the phrase, hurry sickness. In other words, the sickness is really toxic. It's, it's causing problems. And he says this, that love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time, and time is the one thing hurried people don't even have. And so this, this whole deal about always being so busy, we need to slow down and make room for life. We need to slow down and make room for people. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, teach us to use our time wisely. God, we only have so many days that my days are ordered to the Lord. He has them numbered. He knows when my birthday is and he knows when my death day will be. And so in the meantime, we're, he, the psalmist here comes before the Lord and says, so teach us to number our days that we may use them wisely, that I may learn to love my neighbor on these 90 years that I have here or these 50 years or these 30 years, however many years God gives you, that you may learn to love God first and love each other in the time to use that time. Now, now the next barrier is this. The next barrier that I believe can come in is fear. And fear is really a big barrier. <clears throat> you know, when we think of fear, we think of, of all these uh, uh, of, of problems that could come up. You know, uh, when, when, a, when a fear comes in, you have the fear of the unknown. You have fear of the unlike, thing, uh, of people that are not like us. And you have fear of the uncomfortable. Now think about this in terms of your neighbor. God wants you to love your neighbor, but yet there are people that you don't know. Wow. It's hard to love somebody until we learn their name. Now think about it. Isn't that kind of like the fundamental starting point to learn somebody's name? Last week I suggested that maybe you just, just wave to them. Uh, you, you don't know somebody's name in the neighborhood, at least make eye contact and a wave as you're driving by in a car. And it's amazing. I'm, I'm starting to recognize that even more and more. You should see the people I'm waving to, you know. Now I don't go down 88 like, you know, hey, you know. You, you just don't go doing that all the time. But the people in your neighborhood, it's like, all right, this guy lives six doors away from me. I just give him a high, give him a smile. And acknowledge his existence. See, because in your neighborhood, there are people who are strangers. There are people who are acquaintances. And there are people who are friends. So as we walk along the stranger to acquaintance to a friend, the first move to no longer becoming a stranger is to find out their name. So, so we have this barrier of fear. So fear is our, our, our second barrier here. We take that barrier of fear. And yet I'm afraid to get to know somebody's name. And so when I, when, I'm afraid, when I have fear of that name, so that is, that's like phase one. So we, we want to get creative. We want to look at different ways that we can start to say, all right, how can I get to know somebody's name? 
maybe I can't get to know their name. Maybe, maybe there's, there's all these barriers that, that have caused me not to know this person. Or maybe there's just, we've been there and we've lived in the neighborhood and, and we don't have a connection. Uh, and, and look, here's the other thing. We have fear of, uh, of strangers uh, in our neighborhood because they're not like us. There's people that will act differently than you. They will listen to different music than you. They will eat different foods than you do. They will vote differently than you do. They will do everything differently than you do. They will go to different kind of church than you do. And they are the people in your neighborhood that are not like you, that you are to love. And yet we have this fear. And so fear can come in the way. And and I liken fear to like this wall that comes around us. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 46, look what Jesus says here. He says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? You know, I, I'm really good at loving those who love me. A few weeks ago, I shared with you about the one neighbor we moved in, Joe and Pearl. They were great people. And they came and they gave us zucchini bread, frozen zucchini bread. Uh, she made it and she froze it. And I, I think sometimes we got five-year-old loaves of zucchini bread, right? But it was delicious after it thawed. And she gave it to us. I had that on when we moved in. We had it at every birthday. We had it all the time. Why? Because she cared about us. Joe and Pearl, they were great people. They loved us. So it was easy for us to love them back. My kids, they would go out and they would play cards and they have good memories of playing cards on their back porch and magnets and all these fun things. And so when, uh, you know, in the, in the hot days of summer, when it gets a little bored in there, uh, you come home, you'd find, find my daughters on the back porch playing with Joan Pearl. They'd be playing cards. Uh, they, they were very caring towards us. So it was easy for us to love them back. But Jesus says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. In uh, that day, a, a tax collector was, uh, was, they were corrupt. They would cheat people. They would destroy, destroy people's uh, financial, finances by just uh, robbing them, cheating them. And so here, here he says, even corrupt tax collectors love those who love them. Uh, if you are kind only to your friend, verse 47, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Uh, listen, there, there are people of all different religions in the world that do that. But Jesus says, listen, be different. Don't just love people who love you. Love your enemy, Jesus said. And sometimes the people in your neighborhood are so far removed from you. They are so different than you. And it's a challenge to love them. Matthew five forty eight. Jesus goes on and says, but you are to be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Therefore, love like he loves. And he loves people. He cares, cares about those that are nothing, nothing like him. When Jesus came to the earth, and let me say this, we are so far removed. This is a holy God. We are so far. He, he died. He came. He lived the perfect life. But there's not one human that, that, that was like Jesus. Because he was like us, but we were not like him in the fact that he was perfect. So you want to talk about brokenness. You want to talk about hurt, talk about pain. We, we're experiencing all these. And here is the God of the universe comes into time and uh, leaves eternity, comes into time and, and makes a way for you to have eternal life. He cared about those that were not like him. And so we have to deal with this fear. Uh, this morning, let's look at a biblical passage here, uh, Numbers chapter 13, that shares us fear. 
We're going to, if you have your Bible, to flip over to Numbers 13, verse 25. It will also be on the screen. But I, I want to share with you here, this is, the setting is this. The children of Israel, God made a promise to Abraham and Sarah that he would build them, a, that make of them a great nation, that they would be like the, the stars in the heaven. They would have so many, so many descendants, and they would be a great nation. And so God keeps his promises. And he begins to build this nation. They end up in, in Egypt. They're slaves in Egypt. They've grown on, in Egypt for 400 years. And now there are many of them. God raises up Moses. Moses l- takes the children of Israel. They leave. They go out into the desert. And now they are, they're in a desert and they are about ready to take the promised land. God had promised them a land. He says, this is the land that I'm going to give to you. And he tells them, he says, I want you to take 12, 12 spies. The nation of Israel is made up of 12 tribes. He says, so get a representation from each tribe. And, and we're going to send one of these representatives. They're going to spy. And they're going to go into the land that I promise you, that I'm going to give you, and they're going to spy. And whenever they come back with their report, then you're going to go in and you're going to take the land. Fair enough. God's in it. God tells them to do something. If God's in it, who, who, who could be afraid of that, right? So they, they, they send in their 12 spies. And so we're going to pick up here where, where Moses is dealing with it. Verse 25, Numbers, uh, 13, Numbers 13, 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. Uh, they reported to the whole community what, had, what they had, had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. Uh, they went in, they found this land was beautiful. So, so they actually, if you read the verses leading up to this passage, you'll see that they had actually cut branches of, of, of the fruit. It was, uh, the grapes were in harvest, so the grapes were in full bloom, and people were like, uh, it, it was like, wow, this land is, is really fruitful. It's, it, it was a harvest time. So they come back with this, with this great fruit, and he's, so they, had, they brought it back to show them. Verse 27, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land that you sent us to explore. It is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. And so they show him. He lifts up the, lifts up the branch. Look, look at these grapes. Look what it is. So it is a beautiful place, definitely fruitful. It's a great place. We definitely want this. But, verse 28, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified, and we even saw giants there. We even see these men are big. They're tall. We saw giants in this land. So, yeah, it's flowing with milk and honey. Yes, it is as God said. But listen, these people, they're fortified. There's a lot. These people are well protected. They're not just going to give this land up. As a matter of fact, the enemy is really big, and we even saw giants there. The Amalekites live in there. And the Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they all live in the hill, in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. And they're saying, wow, look at all these people that are just, there's so many of them. There's so many different people in there. And this is not going to be an easy task. But Caleb, verse 30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood there before Moses. Let's go at once. And take, uh, let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Uh, there, were, there were 12 spies at one end. Uh, did anybody remember that little song we used to sing when you were like in sixth grade? Or no, maybe six years old. I shouldn't say sixth grade. You know, 12 men, one, two, spying, Cain, and 10 were bad, and two were good. Anybody remember that? 
How many remember that? Three of you? Okay. Only Carol, because she's been here for 36 years, right? Uh, listen, you know, I could teach you that. Ten, one, 12 men went to spying Cain, and 10 were bad, and 2 were good. Try it with me. Ready? 12 men. Everybody, put your hands up. Everybody, put your hands up. 12 men. You ready? 12 men went to spy on Cain, and 10 were bad, and 2 were good. You got it? Try it again, all right? You got to get the hands. 10 were bad, 2 were good, all right? Let's try it again. 12 men went to spy on Cain, and 10 were bad, and 2 were good. All right. Now, if I were more carinated, you could really get it. But you got it? Listen, there were 10, 12 men went in to spy on this land. 10 gave a bad report. 10 said, listen, there's no way we can do this. This is, this is horrible. This is terrible. This, the, 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 the enemy is big. There's giants. We just can't do this. And there were two guys, Caleb and Joshua, who came back and gave a good report. And they said, let's go. We can take the land. We can conquer it. Why? Because God said that we can do it. They weren't denying that there were not. Caleb didn't say, oh, there's no giants in the land. He didn't say that there's no Jebusites and Amorites and all kind of ites. He didn't say anything like that. He said, we can do it. Let's go. But when you have 10 men, 12 men and 10 were bad, two were good, look what happens. Verse 31, but the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. Ten men were afraid. Ten men had fear. Ten men said, I see the enemy and we can't do it. I know God tells us to do it, but we can't. And they cower under fear. So they spread the bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through all, the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes there to live there. All the people we saw were huge. They were huge, man. He says, listen, everybody we saw, the enemy is too big. There's no way that we can deal with this. These people were too big. Verse 33, we even saw giants there. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they think of us. These guys are huge. And next to them, we're like grasshoppers. There's so many of them. They're giants and we're just the little children of God. And there's no way that we can beat them. And so these men are coming back no doubt and saying, it's not a wise decision to go in at this time. Because of their fear. There's no way. It's not wise. But God said, I want you to take the land. I, I sent the 12 spies in, not so that you come back and tell me that, you can't, that, that God can't do this. I sent you 12 spies in so you come back and devise a plan, and I will work through you. So, if you go into chapter 14 of Numbers, you find out that they didn't go into the land, and they get the people all riled up. And God gets angry. Moses comes before the Lord and he says, says, God, you are slow to anger, Lord. Thank you that you are slow to anger. You should obliterate us right now for disobeying you. But God chooses not to obliterate them. God does not break his covenant. And I want you to understand this about who you are in Christ. God does not break his covenant because you have disobeyed. Can we have an amen for that? What an awesome God we serve. 
because you went out and you, you turned your back, you did something wrong, you did this, you did that, God does not break his covenant. But may I say this, the children of Israel did not get to enjoy the joy of their God. They saw an angry God, and God said this. God said to Moses, he said, for 40 years you will not go into that. 40 years you will not go into the land that I have promised you. It ain't happening. 40 years you're out of here. And as a matter of fact, out of those 12 men, the only two that will get to see the land that I have promised is going to be Joshua and Caleb, the two good spies. The two spies who saw the enemy and said that we can do it. But the 10, they will die. And you know what? The 10, they died. And what was 40 years? 40 years was a whole generation. A whole generation that came out of Egypt did not get to go into the promised land. A whole generation is wiped out. Misses the joy. God still kept his covenant. He is still God. He's still, they're still his people. But he says, listen, you have missed the joy. For 40, a generation missed the promised land. They missed what God had for them, and God still loved them. But my goodness, they missed it, and they lived in the desert. And if you look through all their travels, they wander around throughout the desert, and it's just like this little area on the map. It's not very big. It's between Egypt and what is now Israel. And, and you just look there and you say, wow, two million people traveling through a desert. And then they get up, and they have to move. And they're there for a while, and then they get up and they have to move. And so God was working with his people, and God kept his covenant, but his people lost the joy. Why? Because of fear. Because of fear. They said, we can't do this. And they had fear, and they looked at what they thought, not what God thought. And I'll tell you, fear, fear is a tough thing. Uh, we fear exposure. We really do. We fear that people will find out who I am. And whenever people find out who I really am, we fear that and we become distant. Fear makes us distant. You know, when, whenever you, it's like, wow. You know, like we're talking about loving your neighbor. And you say, well, how can I love my neighbor whenever they heard me scream at my kids? I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to open to relationships and, and, and on my street. Why? Because they may see who I really am. And may I share this with you? God already knows who you already are. And he says, I want to use you in that condition. I want you to start loving your neighbor. I want you to love me first, and I want you to love your neighbor. And so take the fear out of this. Uh, uh, look here, fear. We, we all deal with fear. Uh, you know, uh, fear stifles thoughts and actions. It really does. It, it, it makes us, it stops your creativity. It stops you from making plans. Uh, fear can be a roadblock for what God has planned for you. Um, you know, we're, when we're dominated by negative thoughts, by negative emotions, uh, we, we don't get to achieve what God wants for us because we're, we're, all, we're hung up on those negative things all the time. Fear can lead to destructive, behabit, uh, destructive habits. It, it, it causes us to, to just say, wow, I, I can't be any good. We numb the pain. Uh, we, we numb it by making up habits, maybe diff different things that people try to deal with to just deal with life. Uh, fear steals peace and contentment. It really does. It steals peace and joy. Uh, we're, we're, we're regularly afraid. We all deal with fear. Fear, listen, fear is not something that we're immune to. The children of Israel, these were God's people, and they said, go in. God told them to go in, and they, they, they were afraid. And they didn't go in because of fear. Fear creates doubt. You know, when, whenever we have doubt, we, we, we start to doubt ourselves. Man, fear has a way of distorting our perspective. 
It, 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 you, you can look at reality, and your reality is distorted because of fear. And it's like, wow, I'm afraid. I'm afraid if I am kind to my neighbor, then I'll have to deal with him and be a friend. <laughs> I'm afraid, and you fill in where you're at, I'm afraid that if I do this, then I will have to surrender all my time. I'm afraid, and we take all these things of fear, and we, we live in this fear, and so we start to slowly build this wall of fear around us, and we become distant. We become isolated because of our fear. And sometimes we're afraid that people will accept us, and maybe... We have been rejected in days gone by, and we're afraid of the rejection. And so, therefore, we build a wall of fear up, and we don't let anybody in there. And we don't let anybody come. We won't open. We won't ever crack that wall so that we can come out. But yet, God knows who you are, and God loves you. And he says, not only did I die for you, but I'm giving you this command. Love me first and love your neighbor. Look around you. There's people everywhere. Look around you and love them. And, st and you know what? Love, love does this. Love says, I'm going to love you and expect nothing in return. And so, so and your family. Listen, this works the same as true in, in relationships, family relationships. Uh, love says, I'm going to love you and expect nothing in return. You see, and then, then, then a healthy relationship, you reciprocate the love. It's easy to love somebody who loves you. But whenever we, whenever we have this turmoil that happens in our homes, it's like, wow, we've we got to overcome that fear, and I have to start to love. And I have to start extending out. And I have to love whenever it's hard to love. Whenever I'm afraid that I'll be taken, I'm afraid that my love will be taken lightly. I'm afraid that my secrets be let out. I'm afraid that you'll find out something about me that I'm afraid to deal with. And it's like God says, listen, I have told, God tells you in his word 365 times, fear not. 365 times, do not be afraid, fear not. Do you know why? I think there's a correlation between that and how many days are in a year. There's one a day. God has to keep reminding us every day, fear not, fear not, fear not. You, do you realize you will face fear? Uh, if you're, if you're going to do anything, you're going to have a successful family, successful business, successful loving your neighbor, you will have fear. And so we build up all these fears. 1 John 4.18 says, there is no love, there is no fear in love. No fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. God's love is perfect. His love casts out fear. Here's the deal. You were supposed to be separated from him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever because of your sin. I was supposed to be separated because of my sin. And God says that in his perfect love, he sent his son to die on the cross to pay for your sin. And he did it once for all, forever, for you. And all that he asks you to do is to trust him. That's it. You don't, have to, you don't have to be a good person. You don't have to turn over a new leaf. He does all that. You trust him. Perfect love casts out fear. You see, when, 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 before, before we have this understanding of who he is and his love for us, we have fear Fear of being separated from God forever and ever. And then he says, because fear involves torment, there's the torment. Uh, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So in other words, listen, that fear of your eternal life, you can solve that today because of God's perfect love for you. And as you learn to love others, 
As you learn to love others and care for other, other people, see, love will drive out that fear. Look what happened with the children of Israel. Fast forward 40 years. 40 years. Ten, the 10 bad spies, they die. The two, they live. A whole generation has passed. Moses doesn't even get to get into the promised land. Joshua is now the leader of the country. And Joshua comes up as he's leading the country. And, uh, and he, he, sa- he sends in two spies. And the two spies go in. And they're making their deals, uh, looking around to see, see what's going to happen. And they go in and they spend, uh, spend uh, this time in a lady's house named Rahab. She hides these spies. And uh, look what Rahab says. Now, this is so powerful. She says here, I know that the Lord has given you this land. She's telling this to the spies. She told them, I know that the Lord has given you this land. We are all afraid of you. Israel was afraid of them. She says, for 40 years, we've been afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og and to two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. The enemy of Israel was more afraid of Israel than Israel was afraid of the enemy. Did you catch that? The ten spies that went in, they saw what could be, and their fear took them over, and Israel cowered down and floundered for 40 years in a wilderness because of fear. And in the meantime, the people that they were to conquer the land, they had a bigger fear of the nation of Israel. They had a bigger fear of of the God of Israel than the people of Israel had of the enemy. And I want to share this with you that in our lives, the fears that you have about loving a neighbor, about caring, about what God's called us to do. This is what God is calling us to do. He has called us to love our neighbors. Do you understand the fear that you have of loving somebody who is not like you, that fear... I'm going to say this, that those people, those people on the outside of your life that you know you're supposed to love and haven't begun to love them yet, they are equally afraid of you. And they may be even more afraid of you. I listen, the, the children of Israel, they had a, a pillar of smoke by day and a, a fire by night that led them. It was, it was the presence of God. You have the presence of God on your life. If you've trusted God as your Savior, you've invited him into your life, you have the presence of God on your life. And your neighbors are saying, there's something different about those guys. There's something different. I can't pinpoint it, but there's something different. And it's the, what it is, it's the pillar of smoke. It's the fire. It's what God does and, and what he's doing to you. And, and he's moving in your neighborhood. And God, will, you'll be contagious as we go around. And many people are afraid of that. A few people in our church have been sharing with me how they've learned to love their neighbors and they're overcoming fears. Uh, I'm going to put up this one card here. Ed and Doris Canton, they're great people. They come to our church. They've been here for a long time, many years. We'll go to the first one there, okay? And, uh, and this guy here... Uh, Ed, Ed is an engineer. 
Doris volunteers in our office, and she stepped into my office yesterday, or Friday, she came in and said, hey, I want to show you this, and I said, this is incredible, do you mind if I share it? So she gave me permission to share this. Uh, this is her neighbor's. They, they had a house, and then they, they downsized, and they live in like a condominium type, type of community. And they now, this, they know the names of their neighbors. And you'll see there's the first name, the last name, the phone number, the apartment number. And I think there's like 40 on this side, and there's another 20 more on the back side. And I'm like, oh, I'm humbled. These people are really caring for their neighbor. Now, now they didn't know their neighbor. They didn't walk in and find these numbers laying on. This is Ed. He, he's, he's, you know, he's Mr. Spreadsheet. I don't even know what a spreadsheet is. He uses them for a living, all right? He puts, he, he's got it all figured out. And this is how he's caring. So he says, I pray over this. And my wife, we go to dinner with these people. And he's got little notes on the backside, how he's learning people. He's learning to care for them. And he says, I'm trying to love my neighbor. Now, this is, he's not doing this because of the this, this series in church. He's been doing this. This is his life. And I said, wow, can I share that? So what do you see somebody's doing that? Then I, I met Roger, Roger and Debbie Metcalf. Right now, they're, they're in Ecuador. They're on their way back tonight. They'll be coming home. But, you know, uh, Roger and Debbie, they're, so, they're such great people. But they're so unassuming, humble, quiet people. And here they are in Ecuador. They went into the jungle for a day, got the tour of the jungle. They're, they're having a great time. Uh, but they were telling me on, I took them to the airport, and they were telling me, because last week I said, well, you know, we can just wave hi to a neighbor and acknowledge him, and that's the starting point. And Roger goes, yeah, that's a good starting point. But he's telling me how he knows all his neighbors, like they walk every day. I mean, they, they walk. I mean, they walk. I drive. They walk, all right? They, they're walkers. And then they told me about another, another, another street that they're on. They know all these people. And they said, man, they know, they know the people's dogs' names. I'm like, Roger, you're killing me now, man. Yeah? I don't even know my neighbor's names. And he knows, like, my neighborhood probably, right? He's everywhere. It's unbelievable. So I, I told you last week, I, I've been trying to cut my neighbor's grass. So I went out. I started cutting my neighbor's grass. I saw the guy that I know his name, I said, well, you know what, I can at least care for him. So I'll go over, I take this tractor, and I go cut his grass. So that was week one. I did that during, during one, of the, uh, one of the playoff games, missed the period of the, of the game. We lost that game anyhow, so it wasn't that bad. So, you know, I made it through that, right? So this week we go out, I come home, it's Thursday. I'm like, oh, man, I got a busy week. And Rhonda's like, well, you got to go. We're going out to... You know, her family's thing. We had this family gathering. It was a pretty big deal. I couldn't miss it. I said, well, I'm going to go cut this grass. She goes, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. I said, I'm in charge of the grass. I'm cutting the grass. All right? So I went out. I cut the grass. And I go over, and I got to that guy's yard. So I cut all, you know, all my complex. Now I'm like the stealth night rider over there in our neighborhood on the tractor. So I go over, and I'm cutting the grass up and down there. And I'm doing my thing, and nobody's home. And I'm thinking, oh, good. He's not home. No awkward moment, you know. Why are you cutting my grass type of thing? So this is the second week in a row I cut his grass. And, I mean, strange things happen. I don't understand this. The grass grows every week. You know, it's just like... I was hoping to do one and done. This is like, it keeps growing. So I did it, and I hurry up and put it away. And so Saturday morning, I'm going to put this picture up here. Saturday morning, I'll show you my breakfast here, all right? It's coming. There it is. So there's, there's my breakfast Saturday morning. I, I'm going to tell you what happened. I, I, I wake up, 
you know, and the whole family's, they're still kind of groggy, you know, still sedated and uh, <laughs> half asleep. So I, I put my bacon in the, in, in, the, uh, in the frying pan, you know. And I'm like, man, this takes a while. So I got it going and made my eggs. And all of a sudden I hear, this guy comes to my door. And I'm opening up and I'm like, oh, it's that guy who cut his grass. He's like, did you cut my grass? I was like, why? <laughs> said, I just wanted to say thank you. And he starts crying. And he starts sharing with me, like, how his mower's broke, and his dad never let him fix a tractor, and this and that, and all this long story. And I mean, and he's like, he's like got tears in his eyes. He goes, he goes, I just can't say thank you enough. I mean, you cut my grass, man. I was like, dude, it's not, I'm no martyr. I just sat on a tractor. I didn't even use a weed whacker yet, you know? And he's like, he's like, no, nobody's ever done that for me. Nobody. I'm like, God, this is incredible. He turns around and he says, by the way, you know, do you like to go to the Steeler games? I said, maybe. <laughs> he says, well, I have seats on eight rows off the field. I said, yes. <laughs> he says, if I can't go and you go without me, I said, huh? He said, you just can't cuss because there's people around you and you're not allowed to have a foul mouth in my section. I said, I think I can handle that. <laughs> I said, thank you. I went back in 20 minutes later and there's my bacon. <laughs> burnt to a crisp and my family, my family's yelling at me, you burnt the bacon. I'm like, man, I just had the greatest revival of my life on the front porch and you're worried about burnt bacon, right? So... My wife graciously made me some new ones because she just couldn't take it anymore, right? So, and then I have breakfast. Everybody gets rolling. An hour later, he comes back. And look what he gives me. Obviously, he doesn't know me. <laughs> Give me a bag of salad, right? So look, he says, I just can't say thank you enough. Now, I didn't preach. I didn't, I, I didn't get deep, nothing. I cut his grass, and we're friends. And now I know a little bit more about him. And I know there's more than just him living in that house now. And we open up, and I'm like, God, what you could do, what you could do, and if God doesn't do it, guess what? I'm still going to love my neighbor. And I want to invite you to love God and love your neighbor because God will use you whether you're like Ed Canton with a little spreadsheet or whether you're like me who can't figure it out. You I've been in that neighborhood for 20 years and just now getting to know that guy. And I'm saying, God, forgive me. And you know what God does? He redeems it. He redeems it. And so I, I'm, just, I'm just blown away by what God could do here. And I'm saying, okay, God, I'll just keep loving. I'm not going to preach. I'm going to love. When the time comes, then I can talk. But right now, I'm going to keep cutting this grass. And pray somebody else knows how to use the weed eater, right? I want to invite you to love God and love your neighbor. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to let God love you first. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. Uh, every one of us deserved to go to hell. But Jesus paid the price for us. And we have eternal life because of who he is. I want to ask you this morning, would you humble yourself in the presence of an almighty God and just say, God, I need you. Just quietly in the, in the quietness of this moment, would you, would you just yell out to God, Dear God, I need you. 
You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And I invite you into my life right now. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again. You said whoever would believe on you would have eternal life. And I'm calling on you today. And for others, would you open your heart to God and to your neighbor? God could transform a community. God could transform the South Hills by the people who are living in this room. If we'll just go out and love God and love our neighbor. Father, be with your people. As we prepare for a baptism, may they respond to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Won't you stand with us as we close? of a Savior, the hope of